Welcome back, everybody, to The Practical Woodsman. I'm Rut, the creator and host of The Practical Woodsman. That's right. It's my genius which has brought this all into existence. For this episode, well, you say we talk about wild edibles a bit. Somebody recently on The Practical Woodsman online community, on Locals, brought up a really nice topic of how to get comfortable with wild edibles. And that led to a discussion about the two distinct categories that I personally group wild edibles into. Also, as the practical woodsman grows in popularity and in followers, I've begun noticing some frustrating trends. And so I've begun uh, categorizing people into different groups. Would you like to know which group that you personally fall into? Well, I'm dying to tell you all about it. But before we get into palavering about all that stuff, you know we got to do the musical introduction first. The police come by here the other day. They said, Mr. Rutt, if you don't do that musical introduction, we're going to arrest you. You're going to throw you in the jail. So I said, hey, back off. Okay, I'll do it. All right? Just don't throw me in jail. So we're going to do that. Don't go away. Stick around. Here we are again, another episode of the Practical Woodsman Podcast. I hope you're all doing well out there. How have you been? I've stayed busy with things related to a woodsman's life, and I've had an enjoyable and productive, I would say, couple weeks. For example, shortly after the previous episode, I published several videos. Now, the, these are videos that in order to see them, you've got to be Subscribe to The Practical Woodsman either on YouTube or on Rumble. But in a couple of those videos, I demonstrated how to prepare some wild edibles. In the first, I showed how to safely prepare poisonous Phytolacca Americana. Do you know what Phytolacca Americana is? That's what the highfalutins out there call common pokeweed, a plant that almost everybody has seen whether they know it or not, at some point in their life. It can grow very large. It's got a, a purple stalk to it, and uh, it grows berries in bunches, sort of like, you know, you buy a bunch of grapes. They grow like that, and when they start off in the spring, they're green, and then as the summer progresses, those berries turn very dark purple. And uh, when I was a kid, I used to make ink out of those berries. Well, the plant itself is very poisonous, and the, the berries are very poisonous. Didn't know that when I was a kid. A lot of folks consider pokeweed a pest weed. It uh, really does grow in some unwanted places, and it can very quickly get out of control. By the way, ain't it awfully easy for me to sound so smart like I'm always walking around with the scientific name Phytolacca Americana bouncing around inside my head? Well... That's another common deception and lie of these supposed bushcraft presenters out there. The idea 
that they just come up on a thing and they know everything about it you know its latin name all of its medicinal uses uh, where it was uh, whether it's indigenous to the area or whether it was transplanted there um no they they don't know every subtle detail just like most of us don't they're googling information on it ahead of time just like anybody else would do the truth is that uh, until I was preparing this outline today and I looked it up on the internet I did not know or care about the scientific name for pokeweed and as soon as this episode is recorded I'll probably forget it for the simple reason that it is of no practical use to me whatsoever reminds me of uh, Sherlock Holmes in one of the early Sherlock Holmes stories Watson is talking to Sherlock and he says let me get this straight you don't know you did not know that the earth is round and uh, Sherlock Holmes says no I didn't know it Uh, I think it was that the earth is round or that uh, the sun is at the center of the solar system or something like that and Sherlock Holmes says no I didn't know because it's, it's not useful information to me it serves me not one little bit in the things that I do as far as deduction goes here on planet earth so no that's not knowledge that i committed to memory Uh, that's kind of the way i feel about these scientific names i'm sure they serve a purpose for folks in that field uh, but they're of no use to me the reality of most of the wild edibles that i'm familiar with and uh, have personal experience with is that nine times out of ten it's informal knowledge what i mean by that is that it was passed down to me by my daddy and it was passed down to my daddy by his daddy and by his to his daddy by his daddy or granny or you know it was passed down very informally and i think a lot of folks who grew up like i do like i did uh that's the way they learn these things i mean if they if they can identify a mushroom or if they can identify a tree or something like that it's very informal knowledge now it's a very intimate knowledge because usually they've had a lifetime of working with that tree or that plant or that mushroom eating it uh, using it for medicinal reasons and, and all sorts of things like that but it's still informal and um, I would say that it, uh, that's the way it, a lot of folks who who identify with my life story they'd say yeah that's the way I learned things too there are plenty of useful trees and plants believe it or not that I don't even know by name by any name whatsoever I I just recognize them when I see them when I went out on this long excursion over the early summer uh, on my way out I I was showing off some plants for the camera there that I, I don't know them by name I know that they're very useful I can identify them when I see them uh, but as far as like knowing a name for them, I, I don't. So that's just the truth of a lot of the plants and stuff that I, I know of in the woods that I'm familiar with and that, you know, I have a lifetime of using and identifying that and that sort of thing. The reality of most of the wild edibles that I'm familiar with and have personal experience with is that nine times out of ten, it's informal knowledge. It's just passed down to me by my daddy and other family members who got the knowledge from their own daddies and grannies and and so on and so forth. There's a very specific example of this that I can think of right off the bat. There's a a plant and I 
actually I think it's a tree but most of the time when we'd come across it in the woods it was a, a very young tree so you, you know I didn't really grow up thinking of it as a tree but I think that if you were to leave it alone it would grow into a full-size tree but the leaves we used to take the leaves off and chew on them sometimes we'd swallow the leaves but most of the time we didn't we just chew on them and then spit them out and they had a very sour flavor to them and uh, we I don't know to this day I don't know what that tree or that plant is called but I still recognize it out in the woods every once in a while and I pluck the leaves and chew on them just like I did when I was a kid and what we called them were sours so among me my brother and my cousins whenever we were talking about that tree we would we would talk about sours you know I'm gonna go collect some sours as the nickname implies the leaves have a very pleasant sour taste to them it's not unpleasant it's not unpleasant or bitter in a in a bad way but rather pleasantly flavorful so if you like sour candy you'd probably enjoy this plant that I'm talking about <laughs> that I unfortunately can't tell you the name of because again I've never learned it but you know now that I've brought it up after this show maybe not tonight but maybe this week I'm probably going to do some investigating at any rate back to this poisonous plant called pokeweed I recently did a video showing how to safely prepare and eat this this poisonous plant if you want to see that it's on it's on uh, YouTube and it's on rumble and it's uh, listed as a video brief and and lately I've been thinking I might come up with a different name for the video briefs because some of them may not be so brief but there these would be videos of things I would like to demonstrate or show that I can't do in an audio only format like is intended with the podcast this podcast you're either watching or listening the beauty about it is that I can just sit here and talk about things I don't really need to show you things like we could just have a discussion about things but in other circumstances there are things I, I just want to do a video about and that was why I originally come up with the video briefs but as as I've been making them I've realized some of these ain't so brief so maybe I need to come up with a different name than video brief but anyway if you want to see those me, me preparing poisonous pokeweed eating it then you would want to look up the video briefs at this time you'd want to look up the video briefs on YouTube or Rumble and you'll see where I demonstrated that it was delicious turned out really good it, I'll tell you what it tastes like it tastes like uh, if you love spinach like boiled spinach boiled turnip greens boiled uh, collard greens if you love those things then you'll love pokeweed Elvis Presley sang about pokeweed poke salad you know I'll tell you a lot of people like spinach but don't like tur turnip greens turnip greens have a bit of bitterness to them this pokeweed it did not have any bitterness to it at all I know a lot of people prepare it with uh, pork I think that'd be great I think it'd be great with throwing some green beans in there a little bit of bacon uh, yeah absolutely would make pokeweed salad really pop but I just added salt and it was just fantastic that way until today when I was preparing for this show I did not realize that Wikipedia claims you can't do it as late in the year as I did it because to do so according to Wikipedia is a death sentence 
And that's funny because I did do it, and I didn't experience any discomfort or strange side effects whatsoever. Now, one thing I didn't know, and that I believe, I, I, I trust this, is that the older the pokeweed, the older the plant is that you get, the more toxic it is. But I'm not sure how much that really matters as long as you are thoroughly boiling it several times before you consume it. But uh, there you go. As I say, I prepared it. I ate some of it. Kind of the, a portion, like a side dish, side dish portion. And um, I didn't experience any negative things at all from that. But I did boil the heck out of it two times before I did that. But uh, there are sources that say that even if you boil it, then that's no good. That it, it's poisonous anyway. I don't believe that. Uh, now, by the way, I need to uh, include a, a disclaimer saying that you are responsible for anything you try, anything you stick in your mouth. I accept no responsibility whatsoever for you and your choices and your decisions and your actions and your behaviors and nothing. All right, so I'm telling you the truth about my experiences here. But if you're going to go out in the woods and you're going to pick some edible plant and, and experiment around with it, I'm not responsible for that, okay? Let's get that out of the way. <laughs> but uh, I did. I, I boiled some, up some of that uh, pokeweed. It's very late in the season, very late in the season. This was a very old plant. And uh, prepared myself a side dish of it. And it was delicious. And I, I ha experienced nothing negative from it. But if you look up on Wikipedia about pokeweed, it'll say that it's deadly if you do it with an older plant this time of the year. And I'm not sure I believe that. Well, I mean, <laughs> obviously I've, I have legitimate reasons for doubting it because I did eat it this late in the year. And, and I didn't experience anything, any side effects whatsoever. Now, did I ingest some toxins? I might have. That's what I'm. That's what I mean. I'm not completely sure about. Maybe I did ingest some toxins, but they weren't enough to affect me in any way. So what I'd say about that is, in the future, knowing, you know, having read what I've read, uh, and it's interesting. You know, I've mentioned this before in the past that there's so many things that I've uh, grown up doing that. All of a sudden, you read something in a magazine that says, no, you can't do that without doing this, or, or you absolutely need this piece of gear in order to do a thing, and suddenly you're, you find yourself thinking that you need lots of things that for you know, 30, 40 years you've never needed before. It might be a case of that. But in the interest of just being uh, safe rather than sorry, if I were to prepare pokeweed this late in the year moving forward, Instead of just boiling it twice, I think I'd boil it three or four times. Boil it, empty the water, put in fresh water, boil it, empty the water, put in fresh water, boil it. Uh, you know, it's take a little bit longer, but I would be I would feel comfortable doing that. Another wild edibles video I did this week was on acorns. Yeah, acorns. Everybody knows acorns. They're so common, right? Anybody can identify them. At the beginning of the video, I asked a very simple question. Now, I'm paraphrasing. This isn't exactly how I asked it. But the whole point of the question was, are raw acorns edible? 
And then, on the video, I proceeded to take a raw acorn and eat half of it on camera. Oh my goodness, that brought everybody out of the woodwork, saying, oh, you can't do that. Oh, I heard that's not possible. You can't do that. Oh, that'll make you so sick. Oh, that's going to give you diarrhea. Now, <laughs> I understand that some people, the tannins and acorns, might give some people diarrhea. But that wasn't the point of the video. The point of the video is, could you eat them raw if you wanted to? And the answer is yes. They're not poisonous. They're not going to kill you. I personally did not get diarrhea. All right, so it's not even that everybody who eats a raw acorn is going to get diarrhea. Some people might. But really, uh, as soon as I bite into the acorn, the raw acorn, I explain how bitter it is. And then I proceed to show you how to make them not bitter so that you can eat them. And basically, it's a roasting process that eliminates most of the tannins that are in an acorn. People could not handle that video. I'll tell you what, it, it got a lot of attention, but there were a lot of people, a lot, of, a lot more positive views than negative views, but a lot of negative views. People coming out of the word, wet woodwork telling me how dumb I am and everything because yeah, they had an experience one time where they tried to eat a raw acorn and they got diarrhea. And it, it, To be honest with you, it wasn't even mostly people who had actually done it. Mostly, it was people who had just heard a rumor that you'll get diarrhea if you eat an acorn raw. And we're going to talk about this a little bit more, but the thing about wild edibles is that um, a lot of people have a lot, of a lot to say about a lot of things. But without personal first-hand experience actually doing a thing, then you're speaking out of your backside, aren't you? Yes, you are. And the point of my video is not so that a bunch of people run out and start eating raw acorns. The point of my video was to show how you go about playing around with wild edibles, experimenting, doing it for yourself, learning about these things. Again, if you'd like to see these wild edible videos, any videos that I do, uh, it's not enough for you to be subscribed to me just on the audio-only podcast platforms, which I'm uh, really delighted to have you. And I know I, I push this at you a lot. It's simply because I, I think I do a lot of interesting stuff that would be fun for you to see, and I don't want you to miss out. So be sure to subscribe to The Practical Woodsman on either YouTube or Rumble or both. Here's another thing. Let's say that I that I do a video or I talk about a thing and you say, you know what? I, I know how to do that. Like I've spent my whole life eating that plant or something. Well, if you would like to share your own video with this community, I mean, clearly you could just create your own video and throw it up on YouTube or whatever. But if you want to piggyback off the popularity and the following that I'm slowly... Uh, accumulating here and be involved in a community discussion about it on topics related to the practical woodsman topics then I hope you'll join us on our online community on locals and the way you do that is you go to thepracticalwoodsman.locals.com or you download the locals.com app and then just within the app you search for the practical woodsman and there you can get into in-depth conversations with us about these things. I will engage in those conversations, respond. You can share your own videos. You can uh, 
share your own pictures and things like that. Uh, if you think that there's a better way to do a thing that, uh, than what I'm doing, which, remember, I'm not always trying to do things in the best way, per se, as much as I'm trying to do things in the most practical way. Uh, let me give you an example of that. There was a feller who commented on the acorn video who said, and I appreciated his comment, he said what he likes to do is he likes to soak the acorns for three or four days, changing the water every two or three hours for three or four days to get the tannins out. Now what he's missing though is the fact that I was trying to duplicate. You see, acorns were something that the American Civil War soldiers in the South particularly, particularly uh, would use as a coffee substitute. And so in my video, that was another thing I did. I, I showed how to use them as a coffee substitute. Turned out fantastic, by the way. I've still got a mess of acorns over there. I've been drinking acorn coffee all week long. It's delicious. But what he's what this feller who was talking about soaking the acorns is missing. He's missing the point of my presentation. The point of my presentation is that I was trying to mimic the circumstances that like a Civil War soldier would be in trying to prepare these acorns and utilize these acorns. He's on the move. He, he don't have three or four days and endless supplies of water to be soaking these acorns and changing the water out every two hours. He just doesn't. So what I was interested in was not in the mod, a modern preparation method. I was interested in duplicating uh, an American Indian preparation method or a Civil War soldier preparation method. And for that, you need to be able to do it on an open fire in, in any circumstance, right? You need to be, able to, to be able to collect the acorns right there in the woods, prepare them, and make them into something that you can use within like an hour's time. An hour might even be precious. You know, a soldier never knows when he's got to get to his feet and move. So that's what I was trying to duplicate. Obviously, I appreciate the comment about soaking acorns. That is something you can do. I know it's especially useful if you're doing like if you're making acorn flour but remember the the premise that I'm often working on travel from day to day right even for me I'm not a Civil War soldier but that's the premise that most of the scenarios that I present to you are rooted in you're on foot you're not staying in one place for very long you're traveling from day to day you're having to set up new camps day by day and I think that it it mimics very well the scenario that a Civil War soldier would find himself in. He's in the woods, he's marched all day long, now he's in camp. And he looks around himself, and lo and behold, there's a he's there's an oak tree, and there's a bunch of acorns. How, what's he going to do? He, he doesn't have the time to sit around soaking those acorns for three or four days on, a, on end before he does something with them. What he's got is probably a cook pot or cook pan and he's got an open fire now in the video with these acorns what I did was I did I did cheat a little bit I used a portable coffee grinder handheld coffee grinder to grind up the acorns once I had roasted them um, and in retrospect I wish I would have done that different uh, but it's you know it's not like you can't grind up acorns in the woods it's very it's a very simple solution you get a couple of rocks or you use the butt of your knife, or you use the butt of your rifle. Um, it's very easy. You you roast the acorns, 
and then you find some solid surface and another hard thing to crush the acorns and there you go it mimics exactly what my coffee grinder did but that was really the only thing I used that uh, would deviate a little bit from like what a Civil War soldier would have access to the rest of it was exactly like what a Civil War soldier would have had access to and would how he would have been able to prepare acorns out in the field with a spare hours amount of time you know so that's another thing if that feller who commented if he has experience soaking the acorns and stuff like that his method and he wants to piggyback off the back of my conversation my video if he's part of the practical woodsman online community that'd be a wonderful avenue for him to do that and then those of us who are in this community who listen to the show who watch the show who are involved with what we're doing here would be able to comment on it you know and, and weigh the pros and cons of of his method compared to my method and and those sorts of things now within our the practical woodsman online community we did i did get a a comment this week uh very interesting comment on one of the videos by one of our members there he says i have to admit i'm a bit of a chicken when it comes to foraging since i know how crazy that must sound considering all the junk i eat without thinking twice but how would someone like him go about overcoming the fear of eating of trying out wild edibles and i you know again i think it's a really great question i think it's a really great topic and to be honest with with you and all i'm the same way when it comes to fungi and mushrooms I just don't have the time or the trust to go through the whole process of ensuring that it's not something that's going to kill me or, you know, have some very serious or dangerous side effects. There's some exceptions. I, I, you know, growing up, there were several varieties of wild mushrooms and fungi that my family was familiar with. We ate, we used on a regular, large basis and things of that nature and so obviously I'm perfectly comfortable with those the ones that I'm intimately familiar with otherwise if I'm trying to identify a mushroom or something like that out of a book uh, I don't have the time for it or the trust in the book or the trust that I'm not being fooled by a look-alike to usually do that sort of thing I just don't and it's, it's not that I'm scared to try mushrooms like to go out and try to identify a mushroom and to try to prepare it and stuff like that. I'm talking about unfamiliar mushrooms. That's not the point. The point is that with mushrooms, which can potentially be deadly or can potentially have some very serious side effects, in order to do it right, you need to set aside a lot of time. A lot of time. I'm talking about first making darn sure that you think you've got the mushroom that you think you've got and then you can't just shove it in your mouth and eat it you have to apply just a little tiny bit to your tongue and wait a couple minutes and take it out and then wait some more minutes and see if there's any negative effect then you do it a little bit more and you hold it on your tongue for just a little bit longer and then you wait another hour to see if there's any effect it's a lengthy process to make sure that you don't kill yourself when it comes to something like mushrooms so for something like that again I'm not afraid to do it I just don't usually have that kind of time who really does 
that's what that's the beauty about the acorns and the pokeweed and things like this they can be prepared within an hour within an hour this is very practical isn't it i mean these are plants with a very practical use where you can be out in the woods literally starving and lost and with just what you've got on you you can prepare them eat them benefit from them within an hour you know that's the that's the kind of thing I'm mostly interested in most of the time. Here's what I had to say in answer to this feller's question about how to overcome the fear of trying out wild edibles. Uh, and that brings me to <clears throat> these categories that I put wild edibles into, which is important. It's important to be able to categorize these things into two different groups because something like mushrooms and something like acorns, these two things do not in any way fall into a similar category. I'm going to tell you what I mean. When it comes to things like mushrooms and other things, there are other plants too that fall would fall into this category. But mushrooms can mimic other mushrooms. Like you, you can have an edible mushroom, but then you have a poisonous variant of that. Uh, maybe variant isn't the right word. You, you can have a poisonous look-alike, which looks so similar to the edible mushroom but it's a there's a poisonous one out there that will kill you in a New York minute. So in one category, let, let's call it category A. We'll put all we'll put all everything like what a mushroom falls into into category A. In category A, I'd place unfamiliar things that are uncommon. Uh, you know, I'd like you to pay attention to the the qualifications for what falls into category A. First of all, they're unfamiliar. They're mostly unfamiliar things. Number two, they're uncommon, meaning you don't usually just stumble upon them. You have to go searching for them. Number three, they can be easily misidentified. And number four, they can kill you. So that's category A. Let me repeat that. Everything in category A would be things that are unfamiliar, so they're not like very common. You don't come across them just so easily. They're uncommon, which means that typically you have to go searching for them in order to find them. Uh, number three, they can be easily misidentified. So there are lookalikes out there, and you have to be real. You have to be really knowledgeable about how to distinguish one from the other. And number four, they can potentially kill you. So that's category A. In this other category, which I let's call it category B, I'd put very common things well-known things that are almost impossible to misidentify and that involve no risk of death whatsoever. So obviously anything that falls into category A I would uh, urge you to have a lot of care with, take a lot of precaution with. But then anything that falls into category B there's not a whole lot of risk and so there's not a whole lot of reason to be concerned. You can pretty safely uh, experiment with those things and try different techniques of preparation and those sorts of things and uh, not have to worry too much about it. Again, there were plenty of folks out there commenting on that acorn video claiming that I'm lying to them. That in fact you cannot eat acorns raw as I did in the video. Their reasoning? Because the tannins in them can give some people some people 
diarrhea. Well, okay, but so does Taco Bell. So does Taco Bell. So does milk. So do lots of things. What's that Italian restaurant? Cutting O'Brien always used to make jokes about that Italian. What's that Italian restaurant where you get all the bread? Yeah, he used to he used to joke about getting diarrhea off from eating at that restaurant. Well, you know, millions of people eat at that restaurant. Some people get diarrhea from it. I I guess I never have. The important thing is that neither Acorns nor Taco Bell will poison you to death. Isn't that the most important thing? Both are edible. So some people getting diarrhea from a thing does not change its classification from edible to non-edible. It's a pointless peacocking argument anyway. You know, a person is peacocking when they leave a comment like that on my acorn video. Because as I state in the video, when I bite into the acorn, it was seriously bitter. I didn't finish the acorn. I didn't eat the rest of that acorn raw. No way. It was too bitter. But my primary concern was not, you know, is it going to kill me? I, I know it's not going to kill me. It's edible. That was my point. If you need to eat it raw, you can. That was my point. Is anybody, act well, let's put it this way. Is anybody who is not a frat boy going to eat a bucket full of raw acorns like that? No, they, they won't even get past the first acorn like that. It's that bitter. So that's why I say that this argument, well, you, you can't do that, it is peacocking. You know, it's like, look, look what I know, look how much I know, because nobody's going to actually do it anyway. <laughs> My point of eating the acorn raw was not to show, look how cool I am or anything like that, or, wow, it's delicious. Never at any point did I give anybody a reason to think that that raw acorn was just so scrumptious that I, I just couldn't get enough of them. I did not do that. The, my, my whole point was just to show that you can eat them that way if, if you really want to. If, if you're in a need where that's all you got, you, you can do that. And here I get everybody jumping out of the woodwork, telling me how crazy I am and how foolish that is and, and all these things, peacocking around my content to show how much they know better. When in reality, nobody's going to eat, a, nobody's going to eat more than half an acorn raw like that because they're just so bitter. I know that. I knew it when I was making the video. It wasn't even the point of the whole video was not even... Hey, look, just eat a bucket of raw acorns. The point of the video was they're very bitter like this. You can eat them like that if you need to. But if you want to get rid of that bitterness, here's how you go about it. And then I went on to do that in the video. Bunch of people uh, missing the entire point. Probably not missing the point, but probably wanting to draw attention to themselves or something. So I hope you see how categorizing these things, you know, identifying which category does this fall into. Does this thing fall into category A, where it's uncommon, it's hard to identify, it's got lookalikes, it could it could potentially kill me, or does it fall into this category B, where these are common things? There's no there's no risk of death, and there's no possibility of me misidentifying this thing. It, if that's category B, and if you identify that a wild edible that you'd like to try or you'd like to experiment with or you know try to prepare and try 
falls into this category B, that should give you some confidence. It should put you at ease a little bit. That thing is, it's, it's, there's very little to worry about with that thing. Now, if it falls into category A, that's a whole other thing, right? That's something you want to be take a lot more care with. Now, incidentally, the first time I messed around with acorns, <coughs> trying different preparation methods and these sorts of things, I did it completely wrong. I was, I was living in Philadelphia at the time, and I had read that the Civil War soldiers used this as a coffee substitute. So that's what I set out to do. I did it wrong. I did it wrong. And it wasn't that great. It was a lot of work, very little payoff. It didn't turn out that great. But at the same time, I didn't get sick. They didn't kill me. I didn't get diarrhea. But what I did gain was experience with acorns, right? I got experience playing around with acorns and uh, their preparation. With that experience, I gained, I gained intimate knowledge of what to do differently the next time. And that, that's what this is all about. You know, when you're playing around with things that fall into category B, these things that won't kill you, easy to identify, you know, you get a lot of opportunities to do it wrong and to make adjustments and do it better the next time. And uh, now, you know, I've done that a lot of times. Now you see me in a video like this one that I published this week of me preparing acorns looking like I just have all the confidence in the world of what I'm doing and and all these things and I've just got so much knowledge and I do but it's because I've tried in the past and failed or I tried in the past it didn't turn out what like the way I expected it to so I make small adjustments you don't get to confidence without failure without trying and failure that's, that's what it's all about. Reminds me of that pokeweed. I, you know, nobody in my family had ever told me that at certain times of the year, certain ages of the pokeweed, that it has more toxins in it than at other times. I didn't know that. So I just, at any time of the year, prepared them and prepared them the same way, but in, in a way that I understood got rid of all the toxins. And... Uh, you know, now now I find out that supposedly the older plants have more toxins than the younger plants. So a lot of people uh, a lot of people choose to only eat pokeweed salads in the spring. Does that mean that I was wrong for eating it so late in the year? No, I wouldn't say that. But knowing that, uh, I will take precautions in the future. I mean, instead of boiling it twice through. I might boil it three times or four times through before eating an older plant, just to be on the safe side. But it's that it's that doing right that brings experience, which brings confidence, and so on and so forth. It's building upon experience and knowledge, and gaining deeper and deeper intimacy with a wild edible, until you're completely confident in it, and you know you're you know various preparation methods and those sorts of things for various circumstances. Uh, another one that I think of is cattail. All right, this uh, cattail is something that I've been eating, no joke, since I was probably six years old. And what you do is you, you grab the bottom of the cattail, that, and you want younger shoots. This is where you don't want the older shoots. It's not like they're going to kill you. But, you know, who can't identify cattail? Anybody can identify cattail. So there's like zero risk of it killing you. Th that's a wonderful wild edible to start getting experience with and what you do is you grab the base of the cattail you pull up 
and the bottom will come up out of the marshy ground and that that bottom portion is edible it tastes like uh, I don't know it tastes like a vegetable it tastes like a delicious vegetable now here's something I had never considered before this year been eating them all my life but I thought what about let's put it this way like a, a cattail is usually around like a marshy area right now I wouldn't want to drink water out of that marsh area I would never want to drink stagnant water like that but I'm pulling the cattail root out of the ground and then I'm just eating it like a carrot it's not even like a carrot it's more like a, a juicy I don't know don't know how to describe it I think they're delicious and you you don't have they don't take any preparation you can just eat them raw like that but pulling the the cattail right up out of the ground like that and eating it and I, I got to thinking well it's been sitting in that marshy water where there might be all kinds of you know, stagnant water contamination is it not possible that some of that stagnant water contamination is on the the base of the root of the cattail when I'm eating it well I don't know and so it's it's that's a concern like that's something that I'd never thought about before been eating them all my life and now suddenly it's something I'm thinking about well I need to do some research on that don't I uh, but as far as I know I've never gotten sick I've never seen anybody getting sick from pulling up a cattail out of that marsh out of that marshy swampy ground eating it and getting sick and I, I'm kind of curious now about why that is but it's it's these trying these things and then having questions and trying to answer those questions which brings intimacy and confidence and and those sorts of things what happens with an adult cattail the older it gets when you pull it out it gets very fibery uh, I don't know if that's the the word fibrous it gets very fibrous so the when you get the young shoots it's very supple and very delicious the older they get when you pull that out the it, the harder it is it it gets more woody you know like, like it gets a consistency more of like wood than of like a, a supple vegetable so that's the only reason why i prefer the younger shoots is because of that suppleness now to wind things down here ain't human beings you and me the most fascinating things on earth psychologically speaking human motives and psychology are always a source of deep fascination for me you know you never have to question an animal's true motives <laughs> I think about my dogs you know I never have to question my dogs motives my dogs are never hiding behind some unrecognized sense of insecurity or some entrenched denial where his feelings get to determine reality for him nope dog's motives are always obvious aren't they and consistent they're not sentimental the decisions that they make are not based on how I feel right now <laughs> they're consistent and dependable but human beings ain't, ain't like that so I wanted to tell you I told you that I had uh, been making some observations about you folks <laughs> you folks out there who have been commenting on the practical woodsman and participating in some of the the comments and stuff like that and I've I've categorized you I've grouped you into different category categorizations and I've given you these categories names all right so 
there's several different types of people out there on the internet who like to interact with my work uh, some of them more frustrating than others and I, I thought it'd be fun to share them with you the first group uh, I call the starving for validationers yeah they're so this is a group of people who fit into a certain category that I've noticed they they fit a certain pattern all the time and I call them the starving for validationers uh, there, I, there's another name I have for them. There, I also call them the "Look How Smart I Amers." All right, so these are the starving for validationers, the "Look How Smart I Amers," and um, these are the folks who say things like this. They they hop on and they they leave a comment to say, "It's better if you do it such and such a way," or or they they'll hop on just so they can say, "You may be doing a thing." But the way I do it is better. They, they can't help themselves. They have to leave a comment to ensure that the world, who isn't even aware they exist, isn't allowed to watch or listen to a video without having a chance to know that the commenter, the person leaving this comment on this video, already knew about this thing he or she is watching and he or she knew about it a lot better than the video does so they've known about it for a lot longer than you have and anybody else watching the video and the person who made the video and not only that but they they know the thing better than the video does they just want you to know that and I call these people the starved for validationers or the look how smart I amers now the starving for validationers, or the look how smart I amers, are not to be confused with the normals. Do you know who the normals are? Well, we're going to discuss them a little bit at the very end, but the normals, they contribute to a discussion, and they also share additional information, but they do so from a place of genuineness, and for the enjoyment of adding to a conversation of shared interest. So they might say, you know, a good video. You know, my family always did it this way, which is great. And they're not starving for validation. And they're not doing it to say, look how smart I am. They're, they're trying to contribute and add to the conversation itself. Then there's this uh, group of folks that I like to call the here's what I think insteaders. Uh, maybe you know the folks I'm talking about. I, I call them the here's what I think insteaders. And these folks, which they, they all fit this familiar pattern. It's, it's amazing. I put up a video and I see these patterns and these people who probably don't even know each other. They probably live on like separate sides of the globe, but they do the same thing and they talk in the same way. And I call them the here's what I think insteaders. These are people who just conjure up things in their imaginations right on the spot out of thin air which is amazing in itself but then they believe in that more than the information they're seeing with their own two eyes so you present a thing you show how it's possible how it's done all these things and these here's what I think insteaders say things like I think you can only eat that plant in April as they watch me eating it 
in late August. Or they'll say, I don't think you can do that as they watch a video of me doing it. The here's what I think insteaders. Now, these folks are related to the that's not what I herders. Maybe you, uh, you have a suspicion of this group of people. The that's not what I herders are related to the here's what I think insteaders. Uh, the that's not what I herders are folks who have some vague memory of great granny saying something about a thing 30 years ago and they're pretty sure they're pretty convinced that this vague thing that granny might have said 30 years ago contradicts the possibility of the thing that they're literally watching me do right on camera with their own eyes so they just need to let me know that what I'm doing is probably not a, not possible it's probably not possible according to their fuzzy memory of something that granny might have said 30 years ago they they want you to know they get into the comments they let you know that that's not what I heard that's not what I heard what I see you doing right now I'm, I, I've heard that's not possible I'm pretty sure I heard it I'm pretty sure granny 30 years ago sitting in a rocking chair said something about that and so I don't think that what you're doing right there is possible. Uh, just so you know, just so you and everybody else knows that the guy, this thing that this guy is doing right before your eyes, it, it can't be done. That uh, brings us to uh, one of my favorites, probably one of my favorite groups of people who regularly need feel the need to contribute with their comments on my videos. Uh, I know it happened with when I did a video about uh, drink, you know, drinking water out in the forest without a filter. Uh, it happened when I did uh, the acorns. Happens basically any time I do anything on a video that shows me consuming anything in Mother Nature. Period. And these are the diarrheers. Uh, you, you probably know who I'm talking about when I talk about the diarrheers. These are the folks who believe that everything will give you diarrhea and they are convinced, I, I promise you, I promise you, they are convinced that not only will everything give you diarrhea, but that diarrhea apparently in the world they live in is untreatable and apparently in the diarrhea's reality, there is nothing worse that can possibly happen to you in your entire life than to get diarrhea. Seriously. It, for these people, the diarrheers, it would be better if you would just curl up in a ball under the hot desert sun and choose to purposely die that way than to risk drinking that crystal clear gurgling stream without a filter. And what's wrong with you if you don't understand how serious diarrhea is? My goodness, have you never had diarrhea? It's a death sentence. It's the worst thing that could happen. It's worse than cancer. Meanwhile, the diarrheers, as they're commenting on my video telling me how impossible a thing is because you might get diarrhea from it, meanwhile, they're on the phone ordering an extra large greasy pizza that they're going to wash down with an entire pack of beer and three shots of mezcal. So apparently, for the diarrheers, 
diarrhea is only an issue if it's the result of something that happens in the natural world. If there's any lifestyle that they're participating in here in the civilized world, which from time to time contributes to diarrhea, that's not a big deal, you see. That's not anything to worry about. It's only an issue to the diarrheas if it's something you're doing that involves the natural world. Then it's you, buddy, you are out of your mind if you're going to touch that thing, eat that thing, drink that thing with the possibility of any chance whatsoever of diarrhea hanging over your head. Those are the diarrheas. They, I'm telling you, everything in their life revolves around the possibility of getting diarrhea. And then there's the absoluters. The absoluters are interesting too. The absoluters are folks who seem utterly incapable of thinking anywhere on a spectrum between black and white. So things are all one way or they are all another way. But all this gray area here in between, that doesn't exist for the absoluters. There, there's no room for discussion in there. The only room for discussion when it comes to the absoluters is on the black side or on the white side. But there's, forget subtleties. Forget subtleties, forget gray area, forget any value in any discussion between black and white. There is no value there for the absoluters. The only value exists in the discussing what is purely black or purely white. Everything is all or nothing for the absoluters. They absolutely, these absoluters, can absolutely not grasp any sentences or discussions of any subtlety whatsoever that fall between these two extremes. For example, if I dare say that raw acorns are edible, the absoluters come back with, nuh-uh, 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 I did that once. I got diarrhea. Well, okay, but I didn't say that some people might not get diarrhea from them. I said they're edible. You say they can cause diarrhea in some people. What does that have to do with whether they're edible or not? For you absoluters, what I'd like to just tell you, I know it's not going to do any good, but just let me tell you this anyway. A plant does not change from edible to non-edible because you might get diarrhea from it. That's, that's not the categorization for what is edible or not, or not. What categorizes a thing as edible or not is whether it offers nutritional value and it won't kill you. All right, nowhere in there is the possibility of a little bit of diarrhea going to change whether it's edible or not. So if when that's the thing in that video, I say they're edible. I didn't say they're delicious. You should eat buckets of them raw. I said they're edible. In other words, they won't kill you. They do have nutritional value. And here I got these absoluters coming out of the woodwork telling me Nuh-uh, nuh-uh, nuh-uh. You're out of your mind. I got diarrhea one time. Nuh-uh. The, the absoluters, I think, are related to the diarrheas. Now that I think, now that I'm looking at it, now that I'm thinking about it, I see a connection, don't you? I think the diarrheas and the absoluters are like kissing cousins or something. All right, well, that brings us to the final categorization of folks who regularly comment on my content 
Uh, these are the normals. Remember I mentioned the normals before. The normals, they will discuss things and contribute to a conversation and say, uh, yeah, yeah, I know some things about that that you didn't mention, and, he, and here's what I have to say. And they do that to add to the conversation, to just share in a conversation of a shared interest. Well, the normals, who falls into that category? Uh, well, that would be me. I fall into the category of the normals. And also, anybody who likes me and never criticizes me and only ever agrees with me in all things, those are the normals. And now you know the categories of people that I've placed uh, people into. And ladies and gentlemen, that's our show. Which category do you fall into? I'm pretty sure that 99.9% of you who have been listening to me for any length of time fall into the normals category, and I'm grateful that you're here. I'm also grateful for the absoluters, the diarrheers, the, the that's not what I herders, the here's what I think insteaders, um, and the starving for validationers, who I also call the Look how smart I amers. Folks, it's been a pleasure talking to you tonight. I hope you enjoy the show. Take care. I'll see you in the next episode.